When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You are tuned in to another edition of Americana Music Profiles, brought to you by Americana Rhythm Music Magazine and AmericanaMusicMagazine.com. I'm your host, Greg Tutwiler. Let's jump right in to the next exciting interview. There are many ways for artists to create their music. Mara Levine chooses to use her voice, called one of the best singers of her generation, Mara uses her golden voice as a song interpreter. Mara and I talk about what that means and her life in music in this edition of Americana Music Profiles. Hey, Mara, welcome to the podcast this afternoon. Well, thank you, Greg, for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for making the time to uh, get together and chat. You are in uh, New Jersey, is that right? I am. I'm in Edison, New Jersey, next door to the laboratory for Thomas Alva Edison is, and there's this giant... Uh, memorial tower with a giant light bulb on top of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Good. That, that that should illuminate things even more, right? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so um, y- you and I uh, actually um, uh, connected a few weeks ago at the IBMA International Bluegrass Music Association conference and, and World of Bluegrass and um, and you were actually more of a folk musician. So what what was it that, that brought you to IBMA this year? Well, actually, I've been attending the IBMA conference every year except one since it came to Raleigh. Okay. And I have very dear friends who live in Cary, who are near Raleigh. Um, in fact, Manny Corvette produced my first album, Mars Gems, my first folk album, which came out about 10 years ago. And I always go to visit them every year. And so I, you know, started scheduling my visit uh, to coincide with the IBMA conference, and I also volunteered with them starting from the very beginning. And, you know, when they came over from from Nashville, they lost their crew. Sure, yeah. You know, so they needed volunteers. Normally, they don't really um, encourage musicians to volunteer, um, but I, being a folk musician, wasn't doing any kind of showcasing, and so they were really grateful. So I have volunteered for them every year there, Um, and I also began doing some bluegrass work in the last few years. Oh, good, okay. My previous album, um, which was Jewels in Harmony, came out in 2013. I recorded a bluegrass track, and the musicians I had on that track um, were from the band Jeff Scroggins in Colorado. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, And that that did very well on that album, and then... Um, in the course of looking for material, um, someone by the name of Susan Shan had given me her uh, albums a couple of years ago at one of the conferences, and her song, You Reap What You Sow, just grabbed me, absolutely mm-hmm. grabbed me. And I said, if I can do this as a bluegrass track, like a real authentic bluegrass track, yeah. it would be totally awesome. And what I was able to do through my own contact and through Bob Harris, who's my co-producer, and Bob toured with Astor Clements for 15 years. Hmm. So he reached out to some of the folks that we recorded on that track. So I was able to get Greg Blake and Molly O'Brien 
and Greg had recorded on my previous album. Mm-hmm. Right? He do vocals with me, and Bob was very, very good friends with Rob Ike. Okay. And he got through Rob. We got Andy Leftwich on wow. the mandolin and Mark Shaft on the bass, yeah. and Scott Nestor on the banjo, and Bob, of course, on the guitar. So we put that song together, and I sent it out to Folk and Bluegrass in 2017, and it wound up doing number one on the folk chart. Um, and then it was 22 weeks on the Bluegrass Today Grassicana chart. Wow, that's awesome. Which was awesome, and then it got written up by John Lawless in Bluegrass Today and featured. Yeah, song. yeah. Um, so, you know, starting out in folk and kind of um, branching off a little bit into Bluegrass, this song was really successful. This summer I attended the Augusta Heritage uh, camp, and I studied bluegrass vocals and history with Dee Dee Weil and Greg Lake. Yeah, wow. That's so, so cool. Yeah, so I'm kind of thinking that, you know, I will, one of my future projects now at this point, being that this was so successful, is looking at doing maybe a bluegrass EP and putting together or, or, or teaming up with some bluegrass, a bluegrass band, to do some touring and that. I love the genre, and I'll yeah. tell you, you know, I think I had misperceptions of the bluegrass genre, um, not having been exposed to it much, but uh-huh. a few years back, I um, sold my jewelry at a at a bluegrass festival that had fantastic performers, and I just fell in love with it, the musicianship, um, the harmony vocals, Daly and Vincent in particular. Sure, yeah, yeah. So, you know, I, I was hooked. There you have it. I was hooked. Yeah. So that's, that's <laughs> kind of why I'm there. Yeah, yeah, well, that's awesome. Well, good. Well, um, to back up just a little bit, um, what got you involved in music to begin with? What what is your what is your history getting introduced to that? You know, as a as a child with family members, what was the exposure and what got you on this path as a musician? So when I was very small, back in the sixties, my parents listened to folk music primarily and classical music in the house if they were listening to records. So um, they were listening to Pete Seeger, to Arlo Guthrie, to Woody, to Judy, you know, Judy Collins, Joan Baez, Simon and Garfunkel. And this is the music that we listened to. And in particular, we listened to a radio show every Sunday afternoon called Woody's Children, huh, which okay. was hosted by Bob Sherman. And it was an hour-long program that exposed us to even more, you know, beyond that. Mm-hmm. And my father taped this program every week, first on Reel to Reel, then he did cassettes, and then ultimately CDs, and so we had a whole catalog. Wow. So, so um, I think somehow that listen, the music you listen to when you're very small, I think imprints itself somehow on you, or on your psyche. Uh-huh. Um, when I was going through high school, I was listening to kind of the usual popular stuff at that time, and James Taylor and the Eagles in Boston, yeah. CSN, yeah. you know, all of that I was listening to going through high school and college, and um, I didn't really have any kind of a musical training or musical background at the time. Um, in my mid-20s, I joined uh, Millstone Valley Sweet Adeline, which is barbershop. Uh-huh. And, you know, I was learning to do harmony in the barbershop, and I was probably the youngest by 40 years, I'm thinking. Um, and I did that for a couple of years, but I, I just felt drawn to and compelled to to do folk music. Again, I think it had something to do with my upbringing, and that's sure. kind of what you know, what touched my heart the most. So I'd say since my, you know, since my mid to late 20s and beyond, I've always been involved in some way with some kind of a uh, an ensemble, you know, more as a, up until the last 10 years, I'd say, you know, more as an amateur, but 
always had an interest, always working and collaborating with other people. And then about 10, 10 12 years ago, I started more seriously getting involved, uh, being a harmony vocalist for other people, then producing my own albums and, you know, going out and working on my own as an ensemble with others, a duo with others. Mm-hmm. Pretty much over the last 10 years, I've been working that, going to conferences more seriously. Now, that would lead me to presume that you have been or maybe currently are involved in other things in your life uh, as pursuing uh, you know, the professional side of, of working and that kind of thing? Yeah, I, I, you know, went to career track, went to college, got a degree, um, actually wound up working in business for a number of years. Mm-hmm. I got a master's degree from the University of Scranton in Human Resource Administration. Okay. And my major was training and development, and I worked my last two jobs in, in the work world, which is a long time ago already. <laughs> I worked in, um, first I worked for um, Warner Electra Atlantic, okay. Aaliyah, uh-huh. and in, first I started off in customer service in their manufacturing plant in in uh, Pennsylvania. Okay. That's what the records it was called. And while I was working there, and it was before NAFTA, um, they offered a you know a free degree, anything you wanted to do in a company, free. They paid for everything. Wow. Um, I went to U.S. Granton and I got my degree my master's degree, and they immediately moved me into training and development. And then I guess NAFTA hit, and they started having layoffs, and I wound up applying for a job. I didn't get laid off, but I, I you know, my whole department got laid off. Mm. And I wound up going to um, to work for Harris Semiconductor, doing the same thing. In a, you know, they made computer chips. Mm-hmm. It was HR training and development, um, working with self-directed work teams there. And then... Uh, Gosh, it's almost 20 years ago already, I think, 18, 19 years ago. I wound up moving back to New Jersey. There was um, health issues in my family, and it was too much to go back and forth. And I just decided it was time to move back. And at that time, a little hobby of mine, making jewelry, sort of blossomed into a full-time business. Oh, cool. So okay. Yeah. So, I was, yeah. so I've been a jewelry designer professionally uh, since 2001, and then I started seriously doing music around 2006, but I could say the jewelry design business really supported a lot of the music activity. As we know, there's hundreds of dollars to be made as a folk musician. <laughs> right. Folk, bluegrass, roots. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I also say there's thousands to be spent when you make your record. That's right. That's right. Right. But if you're happy know. doing what you do, then oh, it's not it. about the money, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of what, what, what kind of like brought me to this point. And the three albums I have, if anyone has questions about the titles, why? Mara's Gems, Jewels and Harmony, and Facets of Folk. Yeah. All tie in with my jewelry sure. business. Okay. Yeah. And Good. My, my first, yeah, my first two albums have pictures of my jewelry with the lyrics on every single page. It's like a little catalog. Yeah. That's a neat idea. Um, you, you and I were corresponding uh, leading up to this, and, and um, you mentioned something that I found interesting in, in talking about questions and what we will be talking about today. I uh, mentioned the word songwriter, and, and you responded that, that you were a interpreter, and I'd um, love to know more about what that means. And, and obviously that doesn't mean a songwriter, but what does that mean to be a song interpreter for, for you? Well, for me... Um there's a, I consider there to be a difference between someone who is covering a song and someone who's interpreting a song. Mm-hmm. For me, someone who covers a song is re- reproducing verbatim the way the original song was. Mm-hmm. So they're covering that. Sure. But an interpreter takes the song and they put their own spin 
or own interpretation on that, and that could be the orchestration, it could be the way the harmonies are done, it could be the timing of the song, um, you know, it could be done much slower, it could be done much faster, it could be done instead of with a guitar, it could be done with a full bluegrass band. So how do you interpret the song? Mm-hmm. How do you arrange the song? And and what I like to do is, is be respectful of the original songwriter and not change the melody dramatically, right? Mm-hmm. And not change the words dramatically and uh, a couple cases of Simon and Garfunkel songs, I got written permission from the Simon and Garfunkel eight from Paul Simon's agency to change the gender mm-hmm. because I'm singing, you know, singing about a woman, singing about a man, and also do some some repeating of of uh, some words in a chorus, kind of think, make things go in a circle, changing the arrangement a little bit, mm-hmm. getting permission from them. Mm-hmm. So, so it's again, it's more about how you bring the song across. Mm-hmm. It's not the way the original was, okay? Um, and so that's what I feel in terms of interpreting the song. Mm-hmm. So okay. I find beautiful songs, songs that I want to present, and then I produce them in such a way that it's it kind of trying to make it my own without without um, being disrespectful sure. of the original artist. And is that 100% of your music? Do you do any writing at all or sing originals that someone else has written and yet just hasn't recorded yet? Or are they all reinterpretations of songs that you find? Um, almost every song is a reinterpretation of a song that I find or a song that someone has presented to me. Mm-hmm. Okay. That they would like me to do. And I listen to a lot of music. Um, some of the songs are, there's a few that are traditional. Uh-huh. Um, most of them are contemporary from the 60s forward. Some are by very well-known songwriters. And even when I do songs of well-known songwriters, I'm trying to find sometimes the songs that are lesser known of theirs. Mm-hmm. Or, for an example, Paul Simon. You know, again, from my childhood, I had a mixtape of all my favorites, and some of those were not on the Greatest Hits album, and people don't really know them. Right. So the first, the first cover I did of Paul Simon, or interpretation, was Leaves That Are Green which had really only been done by bluegrass bands before. Okay, Okay, like really had been maybe recorded by one Danish band, but no folk musician Mm. had recorded it. And since I've recorded April Come, She Will, and Song for the Asking, which again are not that well known, Mm -hmm. Gordon Lightfoot, everybody knows Gordon Lightfoot and Gordon Lightfoot songs. And when I ask people in the audience to raise their hand that they know Bitter Green, very few. Mm -hmm. Very few know it. Mm. Games. I've done River, which is very popular, but I've also done Child of Mine, which I think less people know. Mm-hmm. So, um, and then I have songs that are written by friends. So over the years of working with other artists who are songwriters as a harmony vocalist, or mm-hmm. working in a duo, or going to conferences and hearing people sing them in showcases, or getting their material, getting other people's material at a concert, and I listen and listen and listen. And sometimes I find that gem, that song, just right away it grabs me, and I know this is a song that I want to present. Mm-hmm. And it's one out of many songs, and a couple of them that I'll share with you like that were You Reap What You Sow, the song I recorded as a bluegrass track by mm-hmm. Susan Shannon, right, okay. and By My Silence by Ellen Buxtell and Nick Annis, which is on Facets of Folk also, which is a song about, um, you know, about the Holocaust. Mm. Which Alan, Alan and Nick wrote, and it's from the perspective of of um, the, the silent bystander, the person who didn't speak out, and then you know, then it was their turn to mm. be taken, and there was no one to speak out for them. Wow. And that's a very powerful song. Yeah. So there's several songs that I've recorded in the, in the last few albums that are written by friends. 
that people would not have the exposure to. Sure. You know, they're not out in the mainstream, and I think it's really important as a folk musician. I think that part of my job is to keep alive traditional songs and also other songs that are really worthy that should be heard. Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes songwriters just focus on their own material, and I'm concerned that if we don't keep, keep sharing material, that some material will not you know, will not be acknowledged or won't yeah. be sung or won't be mainstream. And I think it's harder today in the folk genre. In the 60s, it was mainstream. Mm -hmm. In the 60s, folk was our culture. It was our mainstream. But I feel that it is not mainstream now for various reasons. And it's a niche market. It's hard to get the, the exposure on, you know, on mainstream radio, this folk radio, of course. So that's kind of part of what my, I feel like my mission is is to keep this music alive and mm, present it. That's cool. Do you have a particular theme that you're, even subconsciously, if you're aware of it at all, of what you're looking for when you decide what songs you want to uh, interpret and record? Um, that has developed over the last couple of albums. The last two have been fanatic. The first was the um, favorite, you know. Mm -hmm. Favorites of mine over the years. The second album... Um, had a big component of seasonality, uh, about the turning of the seasons and also um, in our lives, you know, how lives, you know, from kind of the cycle of life, birth to death, right. beginning, ending, okay. relationships uh -huh. and life. And the third album, Fast the Folk, um, is a collection of a number of songs of social conscience. Okay. And uh, kind of inspired by what's been happening politically in the country in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Um, songs that I had been singing over the years but never recorded before. Okay. And, um, you know, uh, By My Silence is one of those. Be the Change by Arlen Bennett uh, is another one of those songs. Cy Khan, who is a very well-known songwriter in the political spectrum, and, and also in the bluegrass community, um, he wrote a song called Upstream on his album that was intended to help save Bristol Bay from the, mm. you know, from the pebble mine. Mm -hmm. Um Perfect Rose by my, one of my duo partners, Terry Kitchen, is about kind of a very subtle song about foregoing wastefulness. Um, so it's, and then Christine Lavin's song, The Moment Slipped Away, she's known for her comedic material. Mm -hmm. But this song is really about a chance encounter she had with someone where she had an opportunity to say something that would make a difference and she let it go. Mm -hmm. And then another mm -hmm. encounter with a coworker that she had a difference to ask. You know, have more than just a casual conversation about lightweight topics and she let it go so it was kind of like uh, that song is more about being able to look at how our don't let the opportunities to make some difference in someone's life in your life yeah better yeah. um so there's that you know so it's kind of got that theme running through it but i've mixed in uh other popular a couple of popular songs and other songs that i kind of feel fit i did a leonard cohen song um hey that's no way to say goodbye i'm a huge fan of his that judy collins made famous and uh, Paul Simon's song for the asking is on that one. Um, Tommy Stan's Daughters and Sons, which is a, a, a protest anthem, but also, you know, by a well-known songwriter. I guess mm -hmm. Bitter Green by, by Gordon Lightfoot uh, is on that one also. Um, and, you know, again, as you go through the album, uh, every the songs are sort of subtle. Um, however... By my uh, by my silence is the one that really is the hardest hitting song. The others are more subtle, mm -hmm. and 
it's a mix of it's a well-known songwriters and one traditional song and then songs by friends. There's about five songs written by friends. Okay. Wow. That's on the cool. album. And I just want to address one, one question you asked before, if anyone's ever, you know, written a song for you. Psycon wrote a song for my previous album called When I Sing With You, which is about the joy of singing and harmonizing together. And uh-huh. how, like, singing, it empowers us, it strengthens us, you know, gives us kind of courage and right. makes us alive. Yeah. 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 That's cool. So the, the, the current album, your third record, is um, Facets of Folk, and that's been out for a little while, right, for the for the uh, for 2019? Yeah, it came out in January to radio. Um, it was the number one album uh, on folk radio, the Folk Alliance International chart that month, and uh, number one artist and number one song, and then it continued to be in the top ten for the next couple of months, and it's been on the chart. Um, I think seven seven of the last nine months. Yeah, that's great. Taking a big part, which yeah. is awesome. And um, it was also on the North American Community College chart. It reached number five one of those weeks in February there. Yeah, yeah cool. Yeah. And I've been out touring with it and um, singing, you know, out singing my heart out with these songs for this this year. So what's what's next? Do you are you are you working on another one yet? Is that one coming up? Maybe. Well, um, no, I, I, it, you know, it takes a lot for me to do the recording yeah. process, okay. and I do, um, I don't go in with a live band. I do a lot of track by track recording. Uh-huh. Okay. So, and it took about, it took almost two years to do this one um, with my co-producer Bob Harris. He had a couple of deaths in his family during that time, and um, it took us a while to get it done. And um, I really want to go out and do a lot of touring with it as much as I can uh-huh. before I start the next project. And I think I mentioned when we first started talking, I'm actually thinking about possibly doing a, a bluegrass. Right. EP yeah. Next. I could possibly take some of the songs that I've done from my earlier albums and rework them with okay. wonderful bluegrass musicians and, and do that and possibly, you know, um, meet up with some other bluegrass musicians and do some touring with that. So that's okay. something I'm thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, what what does the tour um, look like for you? How, how can folks um, find you? Find your schedule? What, what are you regionally? Are you trying to do a U.S. tour? What does that look like for you right now? Well, I just finished Northeast. I just did a bunch of gigs with my friends. Gathering time um, in the Northeast here. We just wrapped up a bunch of a bunch of shows. Uh-huh. And I'll be going to Florida. In late January, early February, I'm teaming up with a duo called The Whispering Tree, and they're from Beacon, New York. Yeah. Okay. Um, and uh, um, I'll be updating my website very shortly. Uh, it's www.maralevine.com, M-A-R-A-L-E-V-I-N-E, maralevine.com, um, where people can see upcoming shows. Mm-hmm. Um, besides Florida, I've got some other shows that I just booked at the NERFA conference, and there's scattered around, mostly the Northeast. Um, I've been to Europe three times in the last year and a half, and I'm hoping to schedule Europe again. Yeah, cool. To go back there. And um, I think I mentioned I work, I'm work. i working with a couple different groups I've got gathering time, mm-hmm. who are a group out of Long Island. And they're their own group. They do their own touring, but we have been partnering up for the last 10 years, uh, touring and recording together. And then Terry Kitchen, who's a Boston-based songwriter, I'm doing. Um, I've done recording and performing with him. We're doing some things together as well. 
So that's what's coming up for me is kind of looking at filling up the tour calendar for the yeah. next year or so. We, and, you know, we're really still working on promoting this album and then starting a new project, maybe sometime in the next year, thinking about songs that I want to do for the new project. Yeah, and then you got the jewelry, so people can can oh, yeah. can can contact you about that as well. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Again, I'll be I'll be updating my website today, and I have a whole bunch of shows coming up in you know fairly local in New Jersey, um, with where people can come and to you know craft fairs and festivals and things to come and stop for yeah. jewelry. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that'll all be on MaraLevine.com as well. And if they want to hear tracks from the album, um, or they can purchase the album on CD Baby or on my website, good. and they can also listen to tracks on my SoundCloud. Okay, good. Um, which is Mara-B-Levine. Um, that's my SoundCloud. If they look for you know for me on SoundCloud. Yeah. Okay. Good. Well, thank you, Mara. I appreciate it. It's um, been neat getting a better understanding of what you do, and uh, I, I am anxious to go back and listen to the music um, that you've recorded, uh, knowing more about how you approach that. And uh, I, I uh, am fascinated by the idea of uh, reinterpreting songs that uh, uh, other folks have recorded, and especially that you're, you're looking for songs that uh, aren't necessarily mainstream, and so um, I, I wish you well with that, and with the with the new record or with the record that, that's out, and and then when you get ready to do the Bluegrass Project, um, that's going to be fun too. Oh, I, you know, I'm really looking forward to it. As I said, you know, coming from someone who I didn't have any exposure in the bluegrass market or understanding the bluegrass music, and then hearing the exceptional musicianship, um, I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued, and I'm learning as much as I can. Yeah, cool. Well, I appreciate your time. Thank you, Mark. Well, I really appreciate that you're, you know, having me on um, Americana Rhythm. Thanks again for tuning in to this episode of Americana Music Profiles. Find us on iTunes at Americana Music Profiles and on the Internet at AmericanaRhythm.com. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.